Welcome to the Simple Church Podcast, where we're committed to helping you know God, find freedom, discover your purpose, and make a difference. Let's get to today's message. Hey guys, welcome back. I hope you enjoyed that time of worship, and I hope that you had an opportunity to connect with God. Uh, we are going to jump into the rest of our, uh, our time together today. Before we get to the message, I first want to say happy Mother's Day to all the moms that are out there. Uh, thank you so much, moms. We, we just want to honor you today. And uh, if you've got a mom sitting right there, make sure you give her a hug. Uh, send her a text message if she's not. Give her, pick up the phone and give her a call. Uh, in whatever way you can celebrate with your mom today, make sure you do that. We, we moms, we honor you. In fact, we know that this year is very different, and so one of the things we wanted to do was provide lunch for everybody. Uh, and so today, Simple Church is buying lunch for you. That's right. We've ordered pizzas, some specialty pizzas, uh, and, uh, and you can get in on that. The way you do that is we're providing a link. Your host, if you're, whether you're on Facebook or whether you're in, um, in, in our online campus right now, your host should be posting a link. And if you'll go to that link and register, it'll send you an email. It'll tell you where you can go pick up the pizzas. It'll be right here in Reynoldsburg, and uh, they will be available between 1 p.m. and 2 p.m. today on Mother's Day, okay? So use that link. And uh, now if you're watching this at the 6 p.m. service, unfortunately, you've mi- you missed out on your opportunity. But we tried to reach as many people as we could by emailing all of our, uh, everybody that participates on a team, is in a group, or, or has ever given us their email address here at the church. So uh, we tried to reach out to you. So check your email. You might have, have that and uh, make sure you mark the emails from Simple Church as a priority because there's awesome stuff that comes through like that. But, uh, but if you are in service right now, we're asking you uh, to go ahead and register now. Register before 1 p.m. At 1 p.m., that link goes dead. You will not be able to order any more pizzas. So, uh, and if you order pizzas up to that time, uh, come, come towards the end of our time period, like at 1.30, all right? So if you're ordering in service today, you come at 1.30. The rest that ordered previously or in advance, you can come at 1 o'clock and pick up your pizzas. We are so excited to do that, to celebrate with you. And we also have not only pizzas, but we got a special treat for uh, as supplies last. So get there and uh, make sure you register your mom to get a pizza today. Moms, we love you. Now, we are starting a brand new series today called The Church Defined. And the reason we're doing a series like this is because church, the way that it is being done typically, is just not working. The problem with the way that we've defined church is we have defined church as a building. We've defined it as a day. We've relegated it to an hour on that day. Uh, we've, we've relegated it to the, the seats that we sit in, the pulpit. We've, we've made church all about the communion table, the worship leader, and how tight his skinny jeans are. Like, we've made church what we can see, the, the, the place that we go. And that simply isn't church. It's not about the building. It's not about the, your attendance. It's not about tossing a few crumpled dollar bills into the offering plate. It's not about your religious holidays. It's not about the rituals that we do. It's not what custom and culture demand it to be. The church actually has a definition. And when you look in your Bible, you'll find that the Bible defines the church as its people, that it's a movement. It's a group of people that are on mission to reach the lost 
and teach them to follow Jesus step by step. That's what the Bible says. It tells us that's what we're to do. And so today, the reason we do this series is because the way we've been doing church, the, the ways that we've, we've framed a reference of our church just isn't working. The thing is, is, we're living it out in a way that just absolutely isn't biblical. So, and, and I can prove it to you, and I'm going to do that through this series because I believe that the way we've been doing church doesn't lead to the full and fulfilled life that Jesus actually promised us. When we make church all about the building, when we make it all about the personality that's in the pulpit, when we make it about those things instead of about the people, we are missing the mark. We're missing out on the best, or rather, the better that is available to us. Have you ever done something for so long that it just becomes and something that's part of your life, something that is like routine for you and you don't really enjoy it. You know, it's just like, it's just the, this is the way things are. And then one day, something magical happens. One day, you experience that the way you've been doing that thing, that there's a better way to do it, a way that's easier, a way that's faster, a way that isn't as much work, a way that doesn't cost as much. You ever done anything like that? For me, that was last year. I, I don't fly a lot, but when I do travel, I do like to fly. Uh, it's a lot easier, especially in the, in the past with, my, uh, with the, the, the physical issues that I had. Traveling in a car was just really, really difficult for me. And so to go long distances, long drives were just really, really hard. But before that, I, I would love to drive. But flying is, is perfectly fine too. And last year, because of my health issues, the very first, for the very first time I traveled, uh, I said, hey, guys, I don't know that I'm going to be able to go on the mission trip. I don't think that I can get on the plane and sit in those seats because they, they confined me. And it was going to be multiple flights, the multiple hours. And I was just, there's just no way I can do this. I can typically tolerate it. But my health had declined in my back so bad that I was just like, I don't think I'm going to be able to go. And they said, okay, here's what we're going to do. We're going to fly you first class because we want you to go. We believe that you belong on that. They prayed about it. They're like, we're going we're gonna to pay for the upgrade. It was just a couple hundred dollars, and we're going to pay for that upgrade for you to be able to fly first class. Uh-oh. Something happened. Because listen, I'm a big dude, and flying on a plane, those seats are always small. I always wonder whether or not the seatbelt is going to fit me just right, and I always have to finagle or sit up a certain way in order to get it to click, and then am I going to sit next to somebody that's just as big as me? Is the person that has to sit next to me going to roll their eyes because they have to sit next to the big guy? And like, you know, I've got all kinds of anxiety when it comes to flying on the plane, but you know, it's a necessary evil. But then, but then I flew first class. Buddy, those seats are huge. The belts, they're huge too, the seat belts. They're very comfortable. The seats are extra padded. They give you blankets and pillows. They don't just bring you a little pack of cookies that, that, are, that feel like they're stale. They offer you the whole basket and say, sir, take as much as you'd like. They bring you drink after drink after drink. You can drink whatever you want to. They, 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 they'll give it to you as much as you ask for it. They got a bottle of water in your seat. If you're wearing a coat jacket, they take a shirt. They, they let you get on the plane first. Your priority, you get on the plane first. You get off the plane first. There's always space in the overhead bin for you. They've even oftentimes, they've got like a little curtain that they close so the people behind you can't even see. Like, dude, I'm just telling you. I've been flying for years and I've never flown first class and it is better it's better. And now I'm like, I don't ever want to fly another way again. In fact, this year, even though I've had, I've taken care of the health issues and no longer need to have, to, to have 
uh, a first class seat, it's a preference. I'm more comfortable and I'm like, you know what? I'm not flying anywhere unless I'm flying first class because it's better. It is better. I don't know about you. What about you? Have you ever found something that you did for a long time that, that man, something switched? You tried something and it was better. Share over here in the comments so we can, we can uh, listen and maybe even learn something from you. But man, my point is, is, is that there is better. And I think the way that we've been doing church, the way that we've been doing church, there is a better way. There's a biblical way. And here's the thing. With the, if we do things God's way, there are these things called the promises of God that we get to engage with. Now you say, Aaron, I already know about the promises of God. You know, he promises to love me, he promises grace and mercy, and yes, no matter what, and you're right, those are called the unconditional promises of God. But there are promises of God that are found all throughout his, bio, uh, through, throughout his word that are conditional promises. It, there's conditional promises for his presence. There's conditional promises for his power. There are conditional promises for his blessing. In other words, it, it's an if, then. That's what conditional means, that if you will do this, then you will have that. It is better that we're talking about. You can have the unconditional promises of God. That's fine. But if you want to have better, we have to do what God tells us to do. We have to honor those conditional things, the if you'll do this. Tithing's one of those things. In Malachi 3, it says, if you'll return the tithe to God's storehouse, then he will pour out a blessing that you won't be able to contain it. And that's just one of the conditional promises that are there. So I promise you this, that as we live out a church as defined by God's word, we will find that it is better. If we continue to live out the way tradition says, we can have more of what we've had. I want you to have better. And so that's what this series is gonna help us do. We're, we're gonna look at four weeks of defining what the church should be biblically. Get a picture of who we are and understand what is better for us. This week, here's the theme. This is the, what I want you to write down as the church, here's our, one of our definitions, is that we belong to heaven. We belong to heaven. Philippians 3, verse 18 through 20 says this. Many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their, dis, their dis, destiny is destruction. Their God is their stomach. In other words, it's all about pleasure for them. They, they, their God, the thing that they bow down, that they worship, the thing that has a place, the number one spot on their heart is whatever they desire. It's pleasure. Their glory is in their shame. In other words, what they boast and brag about is stuff that people just ought not talk about. It's stuff that things people ought to be ashamed that they're a part in. Their mind is on earthly things, that stuff here. He said, but watch this, there's a switch here. He says, but our citizenship, this is Paul talking to the church, to Christ followers, our citizenship is in heaven. And we eagerly await a savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. Christ. In other words, that, that yes, we may be here on this earth, but there is something. There is a promise of heaven that we are waiting on. It is something that is to come. It is something that we are going to have to be patient. There is something that we are going to have to be persistent in our faith. There is something that is forthcoming. Now, earth isn't heaven. Heaven is to come. And heaven is where we belong. In fact, we're going to spend a longer time in heaven than we ever will on this earth as it is. In fact, we get to spend, what, up to 100 years or so on this earth, and then when we exit this earth, we've got eternity stretched out before us where we'll spend with God in heaven and on a new earth. So here's the thing. Because we belong to heaven, as a church, we need to begin acting like it. And we need to let that define our lives. 
In fact, there's a great example of this. We see Jesus, of course, always acting like he belongs to heaven, believing it and living that out. He's sitting at dinner with his disciples. It's John 13, and he's predicting his betrayal and his death. And of course, his followers, his friends, his disciples are distraught. And they're even discouraged. And Jesus recognizes that, and he tells them, hey, don't be discouraged. And here's what he does. He does not offer them an earthly solution. Watch what he does. He says, don't be discouraged. My father's house, this is John 14, verse 2 through 3. My father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I'll come back, and I'll take you with me that you may also be where I am. See, Jesus doesn't answer the earthly problem of discouragement with an earthly situation or with an earthly solution. He doesn't say, hey, guys, don't be discouraged. It'll be okay. You know, you'll move on, and life will happen, and you'll get married and have kids. It'll all be okay. No, 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 no. He answers an earthly problem with a heavenly solution. Like, hey, guys, this is going to happen. This is going to be pretty tough. This is going to, we're going to have a season of suck where we're, this is just not going to be great. And guess what, though? Heaven's waiting. Heaven is waiting. So he told, told him, be encouraged by what's waiting in heaven. Because here's the thing. You can't stop bad stuff here on this earth, but heaven is waiting. Now, I want that. I want that for me. I want that for you. Because having a focus like that of, and a perspective shift of we belong to heaven, being able to look at everything in life through that lens, man, that, that offers so much peace that no matter what the situation is, I can respond to it with a heavenly solution. We belong to heaven. Sadly, though, the problem today is that instead of looking to a heavenly solution, most of us are just looking here on earth. We keep our eyes fixed right here. Instead of singing, some glad morning, when this life is or I'll fly away, right? In the face of, of whatever the, the terror is or the dis- discouragement, we're not singing songs about heaven. We're focused on what we can do now. We, we belong to earth. We fix our eyes on the temporary. We fix our eyes on the now. And when we do that, we lose out on hope. If we belong to earth, there are certain decisions that we'll make along the way. And I'll share them. This is, this is what it looks like. If we belong to earth, we choose pleasure over promise. We choose pleasure over promise. In other words, we choose what feels good now and give up the promise of what's to come. Now, I don't know about you, a great example of this is diet. Anybody out there, share over here in the chat. Have you ever started a diet and you gave up the promise of some weight loss in the next 30 days for the Twinkie right now? Or whatever it is. Share whatever it is that threw you off your diet cycle over here in the comments. Because I know I'm not alone in that. I know a Chipotle burrito has thrown me off my path. Uh, a foo-foo drink over at Starbucks with all of the sugar and all of the caramel and all of the chocolate will throw me off my diet. Like, come on, somebody. I know I'm not alone. There's some of you that'll, that'll give up the promise for weight loss down the road for an apple fritter right now. And I know you. I know you will. But we do this, Right? We give up on the promise of what's to come for the, for the pleasure of right now. We do this in our relationships. We do this in our sexuality. We do this in our finances. And we need to understand that the price of the pursuit of pleasure is the promise. That if we focus on the promise, then we will discipline ourselves and we won't give in to the pleasure that we desire now. That discipline will yield the promise in our life. There's a great story of this that we see in the Bible. Uh, it's in Genesis chapter 25. This is actually the story of two brothers. They're twin brothers, Jacob and Esau. And uh, Jacob is a chef, 
and his brother Esau is a hunter. And Esau is out hunting one day, and he goes hunting for too long, doesn't take enough provisions with him. He comes back from the hunt, and he's famished. He's starved. He's like faint. And he comes in, and here's where we pick up verse 29. It says, once when Jacob was cooking some stew, Esau came in from the open country famished. He said to Jacob, quick, let me have some of that red stew. I'm famished. In other words, he was hangry. And Jacob replied, first, sell me your birthright. Now, this is a whole other message in and of itself, but understand the birthright was essentially the right of the firstborn to receive all of the blessing because the, the firstborn would get double the blessing as the rest of his brothers, right? So, so when, the, when the father passed away. And so Esau was the firstborn. He had the birthright, and Jacob wanted it. He knew his brother was in this situation in a pinch. And he said, first, sell me your birthright. Watch what, watch what Esau does. He says, look, I'm about to die. What good is the birthright to me? Esau trades this valuable birthright, the promise that is to come, the inheritance that is to come, for food right now. He, he possibly could have stumbled to another tent. He possibly could have taken some time to cook what he had, but he didn't want to wait another moment. And all too often, you and I, we sacrifice the promise for the pleasure of now. Check out Proverbs 21, 17 says, he who loves pleasure will become a poor man because you're willing to give up everything. You're willing to give up your future. You're willing to give up the promise. He said, he who loves wine and oil will not become rich. Listen, if we belong to the earth, we'll choose pleasure over the promise. The next decision we make when earth is our home, like when we belong here, we choose convenience over commitment. We choose convenience over commitment. See, what happens is when commitment clashes with convenience, we will check out. That's what it means. When earth is our home, when we belong here, and we're citizens of this place, when we're not Christ followers, when heaven's not our home, that's what we'll do. You guys understand this. You understand this in your lives. This plays out practice, practically. Like you want to be committed to the local businesses and shopping there, but Amazon, like, dude, I can get Amazon Prime. It'll show up here in two days. Now it's even got next day, and that's, that's free for some items. And they've even got Prime now, which means they'll deliver it within an hour or two hours. Depends on where you live. If you're near one of the distribution services, well, I'm committed to the local business, but, but Amazon's super convenient. Or I'm committed to my barber shop or to my, my salon where I get my hair done. But then you find out somebody will come to your house. Well, that's, that's way more convenient. So you'll have somebody come to your house and you won't, won't go and pay salon prices. It's even cheaper for you too. Or you're committed to Chick-fil-A. But then you show up at Chick-fil-A and the lines are wrapped around the building twice. That's how it is in my local community. We need another Chick-fil-A, by the way. Chick-fil-A, if you're listening. We need, we need a second one in Reynoldsburg. Please. Just down the street from my house would be nice. I can get you the details. Hit me up, Aaron at mysimple.church. All right, anyway, you're, you're committed to Chick-fil-A, but then you get there and the lines are long, and so you go to Sonic or you go to the Sababa, which is right next door. Those are two restaurants. It's like, ah, there's no line over there. Like, come on, you know what I'm talking about. You're committed to Chipotle, and then you find out there's free, free delivery, and so you're still committed to Chipotle because that's just nice. But listen, this kind of approach where Hey, we're committed to something until we're committed to something until it's more convenient for me. This is how we approach a lot of things. We approach our relationship with God this way. Like, okay, God, I'm in. I want you to forgive me of my sins. I want you to bless me. But uh, that thing you want me to obey over here, that's not very convenient for me. Like, uh, I don't know about that. We, we do that with our, our spouse. 
it's about convenience. As long as it's convenient, we'll, we'll, we'll love them, we'll serve them. As long as it's convenient, we'll, we'll love and be in relationships with others, right? Like we, we pick the relationships that are just convenient for us, the ones that are laying around, not the ones that are healthy for us, not the ones that we should pursue, we're just, whoever's around, we'll just be in, in relationship with them. Or, or when it's convenient I'll, for me, I'll hang out with my kids. Or, 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 or when it's convenient, I'll take care of myself and I'll take care of my health. But here's the thing. You will never have better. You will never know all that God has for you, the blessings that you have, that, that God has for you, if your life is marked by a pursuit of convenience. You, you just never have it. What God calls us to isn't convenience. What he calls us to is commitment. In fact, he's called us to a covenant relationship, a covenant commitment where you promised before him, like, I'm gonna be in that. A marriage is a covenant relationship, but that's the kind of relationship God wants to be in with you is a covenant relationship, one that costs blood, where blood was shed in order for you to be in that relationship. And it means it's a never-ending promise. It's not like you have an opportunity to break it. It is a covenant relationship. That's how committed. And you look at a relationship like that and you go, Aaron, that's not easy. That's gonna require sacrifice. And you're right. It will cost you something to be in a relationship. It's not convenient to sacrifice. It's not convenient to take up a cross. None of those things are convenient. Jesus realizing this said this about the way into heaven and the way to the life that he's promising you. In Matthew 7, 13, he said, enter by the narrow gate. For the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. God has called us to be committed, not, not to what's convenient. So if we belong to earth, we choose convenience over commitment. The next decision we make if we belong to earth is that we choose consuming over contributing. Man, you see this a lot in today's churches. People will pick a church based on uh, whether the, the programming is good for them, if it meets their needs, and that's the way they'll talk about it, whether the kids' men is amazing, or whether the, the service, do, do you have lots of service options? Is there, and, and, and none of those things are, are bad things to desire, but uh, they're like, well, I, if I don't get my seat, you know, I, I, I'm, this is my space, or, or, you know, I want worship a certain way, and Listen, they're, they're, it's all about them because consuming is all about me and contributing is all about we. Oh, that was so good. You should write that down. Contributing is all, ab- or consuming is all about me and contributing is all about we. Contributors will step into any environment and they'll make it better. And since earth, is, if you belong to earth, you'll choose to consume though and you'll focus on yourself. And I understand that we have to consume in order to live, but what we need to do is resist living to consume. See, even in Scripture, it identifies our need to consume, but it also requires a response to that consumption that results in contributing. James 1, uh, chapter, or excuse me, James 1, verse 22 says, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Dang, James, he just put it to you straight like that. We're called to contribute. We're called to respond. We're called to do something, not just hear it, not just consume it. It has to become about we instead of me. But if we belong to earth, we choose to consume over contributing. The next decision we'll make is we'll choose retreating over reconciling. Man, this is such a big one because here's the deal. 
I understand that it is easier to retreat. It is easier to walk away from relationships than to put in the work and effort that it takes to reconcile with somebody that has sinned against you or hurt you. And here's the thing. You need to set up your perspective, if you haven't already, is that people are going to hurt you. That is just going to happen. In Colossians, it tells us that as well. Chapter three, it says, man, make room for it, for, for when people are gonna hurt you and offend you, because they're going to. They're, they're going to do that. You say, Aaron, I'm checking in on this Sunday morning for a positive message. Fine. You want me to be positive? I'm positive that people are going to hurt you. They're going to. And, but instead of the hard work of reconciling, we take the easy path and the route of retreating. Because retreating means I don't have to see you. Retreating means that I don't have to work it out. Retreating means that I can just forget about it instead of working on forgiving you. I don't have to deal with the hurt. But Hebrews 12, 14 through 15 tells us this, work at living in peace with everyone. They know it's work. God knows that it's work. It's gonna cost you something. Reconciling is work. Work at living at peace, living in peace with everyone, and work at living a holy life. For those who are not holy will not see the Lord. Verse 15, look after each other so that none of you fails to receive the grace of God. Now watch this. Watch out that no poisonous root of bitterness grows up to trouble you, corrupting many. What is that saying? It's saying that, man, if you leave something and some unforgiveness inside of you, it turns into bitterness. If you don't do the work of reconciliation, there is worse. There is toxin. There is pain, not just for you, but a corruption for many if you don't deal with that unforgiveness in your life. So reconciling isn't just about forgiving somebody who has wronged you, but it's also about going to someone else and making things right. Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, verse 23, he said that if you know that your brother has an issue with you and you're on your way to the temple, put down that offering and go make it right with him and then you can come back, pick up your offering and give it at the church. Like if you're gonna go do something spiritual, go do that. That's more important. It's important that you reconcile. Matthew 6, 14, Jesus said, forgiveness is so important as well that if you don't forgive, the Father won't forgive you. This reconciling is a big deal. If we belong to earth though, we'll choose to retreat over reconciling. But as the church, here's the deal. We do not belong to earth. We belong where? Right over here in the chat box. Come on, just say it for me. We belong to heaven. And since heaven is our home, there's a response. We have a job here. And our job, because heaven is our home, the place that is to come, the place where we have our hope, our job is to bring heaven to earth. Say, Aaron, how in the world do we do that? Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24. Discover creative ways to encourage others and to motivate them towards acts of compassion, doing beautiful works as expressions of love. This is not the time to pull away and neglect meeting together as some have formed the habit of doing because we need each other, especially not now, right, in the middle of a pandemic, by the way. Like there's some of you that have decided I'm checking out and you know some of your friends and your family members that used to show up to church here that are like, man, that church online thing isn't for me and I'm telling you, it is for you. It is important that we continue to gather together. Why? Because we need each other. That's what it says. In fact, verse continues, in fact, we should come together even more frequently. That means join the Bible study. It means make sure that you're, you're staying active in your virtual grow group. 
try out the Fellowship Fridays. Like, holy cow, there is so much that we're doing to remain connected and make sure that those, those ties of love are strengthened. Man, join us in that. Says, in fact, we should come together, together even more frequently, eager to encourage and urge each other onward as we anticipate that day dawning. So there's three things we see in these verses, three choices that we need to make in order to bring heaven to earth because we belong to heaven. And the first one is, if you're taking notes, be loyal. That's simple. Be loyal. Be faithful. Make sure that you are showing up consistently no matter what. You say, Aaron, showing up where? Showing up for yourself. Showing up in your relationship with God. Showing up in your relationship with others. Showing up at church. Be consistent. Be faithful. Even in the middle of a pandemic, that's no problem for you to show up. You can, you can join us here in our online campus. You say, Aaron, but it's not the same. You're right. It's not the same, but it's what we've got. So do it. Join us. Uh, you can join those, the church online. You can join the virtual groups. You can be faithful in your giving. You can even find ways to serve because, man, we've got opportunities for you to serve within the church and outside of the church. There are opportunities. Let's be loyal to what it looks like now to be the church. No matter what happens, we are to be loyal to God, our relationship with him, and to God's people. Loyalty to God matters. You know that. When you look through the scripture, there are promises that are attached to our loyalty, our being faithful to God. In Proverbs 21, 21, it says, he who pursues righteousness and loyalty finds three things. You ready? First, you're going to find life. That's that full and fulfilled life Jesus is promising you. Because righteousness, by the way, is right living. That's what it means. So if you're going to pursue right living and loyalty, meaning being faithful to that right living, you're going to find a full and fulfilled life. You're going to find a right living, and you're going to find honor. Man, I don't know about you. I don't know if anybody's ever honored you, but it feels so good to be honored. I, I, somebody that'll honor you with front row tickets to their show, somebody that'll honor you by calling you out and saying, man, you've made such a huge difference in my life. Somebody that, that honors you is somebody that is going to give you promotion, somebody that's going to give you favor, somebody that's going to give you blessing. And I don't know if you've ever been honored by someone else, but this is saying that God will honor you. And holy cow, when God honors you, my goodness, the way he talks about it is a blessing that you won't even be able to contain. In fact, I was reading the other day in Psalm, and David describes the blessings of God as being poured out to the, my children's children. That means God's got such a blessing for you that your kids' kids, it's going gonna, it's gonna to flow down to them. Like, you can't even contain it. That's what it means. That's how good God is. In fact, Psalm 18, 25 says, Lord, you are loyal to those who are loyal. So let's be loyal to God and let's be loyal to his people. Next thing, if you're taking notes, the next choice we have to make is to be love. This is how we bring heaven here to earth. Be love. John 13, 34 says, I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other in the same way that I have loved you. What way was that? Well, the way that Jesus loves us was sacrificially. It's unfailingly, it's unconditionally. That means there's nothing you've got to do in order to earn our love. That's the way that we are supposed to love God's people. That sounds nice, right? But to put that in action, it's hard. It's tough. It hurts to live it out. It's actually quite costly. But here's what we believe as citizens of heaven, because we belong there, we believe 
that people are worth it. We believe the difference that loving people makes is worth it. And in order to do it, there's a few things you need to understand because I know that there's pushback on loving people. I hear more often than not, I don't like people. I can love them, but I don't like people. And listen, let me tell you what it's gonna take for you to love people because the pushback that I get is usually related to this. First, well, they're not perfect. Let me tell you something. The only perfect person is Jesus. If you are looking for people to not be sinful, you will never find them until the day that we are made perfect in heaven. There are no perfect people on this earth. They are gonna sin against themselves, against you, against their family. We are in a fallen world. There are no perfect people. So stop looking for them. Let's do a perspective shift. If we're gonna love people, gotta stop looking for the perfect ones to love because they don't exist. Also, you need to understand who are the people we're supposed to love. That's a great question. God created all people. That means that all people belong to him. That means that we have to love all people well. That doesn't just mean the people in the church. And when it comes to our love, sometimes we feel like, We're loving somebody by the way that we come at them. Well, I'm gonna help them. I'm gonna give them some truth. And let me tell you something. If you're gonna do that, the way you're gonna love people, God directs us to attack problems, not people. Like there are problems that we need to address and things to work out and truth that needs to confront those issues within people's life. But it is not people themselves that we need to attack. That is not loving at all. So we need to love people. And the way that we need to love people is the way 1 Corinthians 13 says. You ready? This is actually the love chapter uh, in, in the Bible. It is uh, known that way. And many of these verses get read at weddings. I do it myself. But verse 7 in the amplified version of the Bible says, love bears all things regardless of what comes. It believes all things looking for the best in each one. See, that's where we need to be. We need to be looking for the best in each one of, uh, in each other. Hopes all things, love remain, remains steadfast during difficult times and endures all things without weakening. Listen, that's the kind of love that we're to have for people. And that's a God kind of love. And I'm telling you what, you being loyal to God into your relationship there means you're gonna be receiving that kind of love from him because that's the only way you'll be able to give it to someone else. So let's be loyal, let's be love, and finally, the last decision you need to make is to let's be light. Let's be light. We call it around here being the shiny because Jesus describes in Matthew a way of living out your life in such a way that people will look at your life and say, what is it that you have? That a light that will shine in dark times. You say, Aaron, how does that work? Well, Galatians 6, 5 tells us this. Each of you must take responsibility. So that, that's, that is the key right there. It's not up to me to make sure that your life shines. It's not up to any of the pastors or any of the staff members here. It's not up to the worship leader. It's not up to your kids. It's not up to your spouse or your parents. Young people, it's not up to your peers. It is up to you. You must take responsibility for doing the creative best you can with your own life. You must take the responsibility in order to be a light to people. You must be creative and figure out how do I do this? And it doesn't have to be grand gestures. Again, it can be about the way that you live your life, the way that you work out your marriage, the way that you work out your parenting, the way that you live out your finances and your your personal health and your relationships. Like every area of your life if that is submitted to God, can be a light to everyone else. But there are other ways too. Not only the way you live your life, but in times when you can just share your story. Tell people about Jesus. Like 
this is who my life was before I met Jesus, and this is how my life changed. You don't have to preach it, people. You can just share the difference that Jesus has made for you. But another great way to do that is once you've done those things, once it's about the way that you live your life, once it's about the, hey, this is what my life, testimony, this is what my life was, this is what it is now, then you can be creative as well to discover ways to make a difference in people's lives. And it doesn't have to be grand. See a small need, see a great need, and meet it. See a hurt in someone's life, and go on about healing it. Simple things, easy ways you can win in this pandemic. And I have talked about it week after week after week. And I'm encouraging you, get on board. Don't just be someone who's listening, a consumer. Be somebody who's going to contribute. Here's simple ways that you can win in this pandemic and make a huge difference with something that won't cost you anything. Pick up the phone and call someone. Ask them how they're doing and just listen. Have no agenda. Just touch base with them. Send an encouraging note in the mail. Man, that's old school. I get it because texting is so easy. Email is so easy. But a note in the mail means so much. But here's one of the most powerful ways. Those small gestures are great. And you may see other needs that'll pop up around you. We're in the middle of a grocery drive right now for the Columbus Dream Center. And those are awesome things. But it could be small things as well. But one of the most powerful things you can do is, is to be a light through prayer. Check this Matthew uh, chapter 6, verse 9 through 10. This is Jesus, and he was talking to us how to pray. He said, this then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, and your will be done. Watch this. On earth as it is in heaven. Church, listen. If we're going to be, be defined, let us be defined by what the Bible says about us. Let us make a declaration that we belong to heaven. So, and choose that which is better. Choose that which has promises attached to it. Choose that which has blessing attached to it by being loyal, by being love, and by being light because we belong to heaven. Let's pray. Father, today I just pray for this perspective shift in our hearts. Lord, help us to set our eyes on heaven. God, to seek out heavenly solutions to earthly problems. Holy Spirit, I pray that today you would help us to remain loyal, loyal to God and to others, even in hard times. Lord, that you would help us to love not just you, but to love all people, even in their imperfections, no matter how they identify themselves, no matter what they would say their status is, no matter what color their skin, God, no matter what the differences are between us and them, Lord, may we learn to love all people. And God, may we be a light when all their lights seem to fade. And right now where you're at, this is an opportunity for you to enjoy that which is better. Because maybe, maybe you had some preconceived ideas about what church was all about. Maybe you thought it was about the politics or the building or the, the money or the, the suits or, listen, it's about the people. And you're a people. You're part of that group. God loves you and cares deeply for you. He's not mad at you. And he, today, in this moment, he's an, extending an invitation for you to know him, to be in relationship with him. And the way that you do that is through the work that Jesus did on the cross. There's no work for you. He's already done it. In fact, this is kind of like going to a restaurant, ordering the best thing on the menu, and then having somebody bring you a bill that says everything's already been paid because that's what's happened here. Jesus paid the price for us. 
you and I, the price we have to pay because we were born in sin is eternal separation from God in hell where we pay for our sins forever. But God sent his son Jesus to die on the cross. And Jesus died and rose again on the third day. And if right now in your heart, faith is rising to believe that what Jesus did, the work that he did on the cross was sufficient, then right now you can accept the gift that Jesus gave you, which is forgiveness, it's reconciliation with our heavenly father. The gap between you and God because of your sin will forever be closed and you will enjoy a relationship with him. If you're ready to do that, right in front of you on the screen, there's a little box that says, I'm raising my hand. I'm saying yes to Jesus. Would you click that box right now so we can celebrate with you? It's a visual representation that you're taking a step right now. And here's what's going to happen. I'm going to pray a prayer. And if you're ready to be included on that prayer, just wherever you're at, repeat these words after me. Say, Jesus, I need you. Forgive me of my sins. Make me brand new. Holy Spirit, fill me. Show me how to live right. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Man, if you prayed that prayer today, all of heaven is having a party for you, and we are celebrating with you as well. In fact, if you click that button and said, I'm saying yes to Jesus, would you click one more? Would you click this connect card with us and, and, and let us celebrate with you and mark the spot that says, man, I said yes to Jesus today. We would love to make sure that, that you get your invitation to your next steps so that you know, hey, this is what God has for me. This is what I need to do. And we'll let you know everything that we're doing right now in the middle of this pandemic that you can be part of to continue on your spiritual journey. Amen, everybody? All right, now listen, a couple things that I wanna make sure that I share with you. I know we were doing the uh, Dream Center uh, grocery give this past week, and I promise you that I will post the results as soon as I get them uh, right here on social media. If not, I'll make sure I share them next Sunday uh, on how much money we were able to collect to give and the, the haul of groceries we were able to donate. Uh, but make sure today, since it's Mother's Day, mom, make, moms, make sure you click that link. It's here in your chat box. If you're following along, it'll be way early in the service. So just scroll on down until you see it. Uh, but there is a link there that you can get pizza on us. So make sure that you do that. It's today, Mother's Day, May 10th, between 1 and 2 p.m. Eastern time. It's a local pizza place to pick up, and you'll get the details if you register by 1 p.m. in an email, all right? That's the way we're asking you to participate if you'd like a free gourmet pizza. So make sure you do that. Check your email. And then also I want to share today, it's a super exciting today that grow groups are all virtual now. So our last season ended about a week and a half ago, uh, two weeks ago, and here's the deal. The new groups are available. You can register as of 9 a.m. this morning. They're open. So go ahead and start looking. Get into a group, man. If you've never been into a group, it's an easy time to do it because, man, all you have to do is sit behind a computer or sit at your phone and join the group. And so make sure you sign up. Groups will be open all this week, and then they'll start the following week. Sunday the 17th is, is the week that everything will get going. So make sure you register. Get in a group. This is a short six-week season, so it's easy to step in and be able to step out, especially if you're going on vacation for the summertime. Uh, but please make sure you get in a group. It is so important that you do. You'll meet some incredible people. You'll learn how to be more like Jesus together. So please do that. Amen, everybody? Let's do that. Moms, have a great Mother's Day. Simple Church, I love you, and we'll see you right back here at our online campus next Sunday.